Be the Lord hokey, as they say. Do you ever hear that phrase, Louise? Be the Lord hokey. I, I knew someone years ago used to say that. And I, what, what I'm referring to is the weather. Be the oh. Lord hokey. Will you look out at what's happening? Oh, I think I think uh, there's been a bit of a flurry of snow and things like that that probably wasn't expected. Was oh, no. no. And I think, as I told you, I've coined a new phrase for my feelings every time I see a drop of rain now. Dampness. What? No, I am... Um, Drip pressed. <laughs> Not depressed. Drip pressed. That's why I shudder every morning. The phone rings. Do you know that when it's a wet day? Because you know I'll be in bad humour. <laughs> I say, what's coming up on the end of the line? <laughs> How are you? Yeah, oh. oh, you wouldn't put a milk bottle out that day. It's terrible. It really is. And as you heard on a sports news, pitch inspections for sports fans at Daily Mount Park and Tallis Stadium where uh, Dundalk and Drogheda are due this evening. So we'll keep you informed on those. The one in Tallis happening now at 1.30 and 3.30 at Daily Mount Park. And of course, we have sport later on in the show with David Sheen. But I can tell you, Rain, I- I'm going to say it again. Can I say this again? I love saying this in the show. If I hear a word <laughs> about a hose by ban or conserving water this year, I'm going to break the shop up because we should never have an issue ever, 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 ever with water and water supply. When you see the wet autumn winter we've had, it's just been uh, ferocious altogether. Anyway, let's talk about something we're going to talk about for the next while on the show. And I know you're a great woman for... Uh, Classic pieces of clothing, having a clothes long time and shopping with that in mind. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, I was actually in in uh, ran into Tesco this morning and I saw um, long kind of these kind of linen long skirts are back in. And I'm going, why did I throw that out like 15 years ago? <laughs> you are a really nice skirt. You are a woman who recycles the clothing and yeah. you keep it for a long time. What would you say? How, how far back would uh, uh, an item of clothing in your wardrobe go? The 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 the, the furthest back. How many years have you something? Uh, thirty years. Holy many, holy holy. I remember. Yeah, holy in and around mm. thirty years. I think so. Have you? Mm. And would you wear it today? Yeah. Do you, do you take it I've out? Worn it in here. You? Actually, I have two of them. They were lovely cardigans from Pennies. One was a chocolate brown and one was red and I bought two of them and I still have them. They're really nice. That's they're kind of like knitted, but they're not knitted. Yeah, and that's incredible. And and, and in terms of care of those, would you would you wash them much, much or have you washed them much over the years? Yeah, and no, like I wouldn't. Do you know, if I was wearing a jumper or a cardigan, I wouldn't wash the jumper or the cardigan every time unless they're filthy dirty. I'd yeah. wash the top you're wearing and the underwear underneath it. Yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. So I understand they, they that. wouldn't get as frequently washed yes. as, say, a t-shirt or a top or something. Yeah. So, so jumpers, cardigans, jeans, for example, no, jeans, jeans and denims. Yeah, I know they say you ha- wear denims, but I find if you don't if you don't wash denims, they go all saggy. How how many wears Drippy. would you get out of a pair of denim jeans? How many <clears throat> wears would you get before you'd wash them? One or two. Right. Okay. That's all. Yeah. End of. Mm. I just find they go saggy. Interesting, because it is an interesting subject. It really is. And in terms of sustainability in the world, uh, from the point of view of clothing manufacturing and fast fashion today and throwaway fashion, and also from, you know, washing and using what you do in washes and water as well. We're going to talk about it for the next while. But before we do, with somebody who's just simply brilliant, I'll ask you today, listening to us, like Louise, 30 years, is that what you said? Yeah. You have those. Anybody out there with clothing going back that 
length of time or maybe a little longer. And, you know, as regards washing your clothes, washing jumpers, mm. washing jeans, etc. What's your policy on that? How often do you wash them? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's the number here that gets us directly. 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text. Or leave us a WhatsApp voice message if you'd mm. like to there. We love the voicers as well too. Anyway, let's hear from somebody who knows what it's all about. Laura DeBarra. Ah, she's simply brilliant. She's an Irish girl based in London and she has a new book out called Garment Goddess. And it says on the cover how to buy, care for and increase the lifetime of your clothing. And just about an hour ago, I was in conversation with Laura. She's uh, tied up at meetings now, but she spoke to me a little earlier today. And I began by asking her about fast fashion. Is she into it or not? There's a lot of judgment in fashion and that's what I'm against. I'm not going to judge anyone who is buying, like I buy high street. Fast fashion is not exactly a choice for a lot of us. You know, I think like there's budget constraints, sizing, accessibility where you live. I think there's a lot of reasons people will buy cheaper fashion. But the problem is what used to happen years ago was most high street stores would have a more budget range and then a fashion range and now the fashion is in the budget range and people who need that budget range it's being swiped from under them and it's instead they're supplying people who just want to wear a jacket once instead of someone who wants to wear that jacket for a long time. I just think if we learned how to spot the high quality we'd be able to wear our garments for longer. Looking at the longer term and purchasing with the longer term in mind is really what you're talking about. Yeah and like If we think about it, we do want our clothes to last longer. The concept where we have to have something new all the time, don't get me wrong, it's lovely to have something new. You know, when I buy something new, I just love when it comes in the door and I'm able to wear it for the first time. But we really do need to think about our clothes long term because at the end of the day, we don't want things to fall apart. It used to be a case where people could say, well, I don't want that anymore. But now the choice is gone. The quality is so bad that we can't, even if we wanted it to last a long time, we can't. And it's because we don't know how to spot the little things producers have done to reduce the quality. So when we purchase, let's get down now into the nitty gritty. You say, (laughs) (laughs) you say that we're all over washing our clothes. We are. And I think like some people are very careful with how they launder. Like I know myself, I know what the direct implication is. Like when you wash a garment, you're reducing the quality of the garment. So it's fine with something like a T-shirt or a natural fibre, you know, something that you're wearing under a jumper. You can wash that away because the weight doesn't really matter. But the jumper itself shouldn't be washed often. When a brand is producing a garment, they do something called wash tests. They put them into a domestic washing machine and they note the changes after each garment. And usually after three to four washes, there's a notable change. So there's either a dye fade, the weight is different, or the stitching isn't doesn't have as good integrity. So we have to be more conscious of what we're washing and when we're washing it. It doesn't apply to all clothing, but the book will tell you like things that you should wash less frequently and things you should be wearing something under. Like a lot of times people will wear knitwear and not think about protecting the knit from your body or your fake tan or your deodorant or your sweat. So it's being clever with the things that you spend more money on. So let's talk in specifics. A jumper, like I'm wearing a jumper today and I wouldn't mm-hmm. wash it every time. It wouldn't be washed for me, should I say, every time after I wear it, right? <laughs> How many yeah. wears should you get out of a, a jumper, for example? It depends. I mean, my work jumpers, for example, I sweat loads in them and like I'm filthy when I'm at work because I'm doing a lot of decorating. So I would wash those jumpers every two wears, let's say. But the T-shirt I wear underneath, 
I'll have to wash it after a wear because it's just absolutely manky after I've been like under a bed doing a flat pack or whatever. So it just depends on the wear that you like how often what you're doing when you wear it. But what you should be doing is when you take off a garment, turning it inside out, you can hang it up that way. It'll just air out. You just want to get rid of the bacteria or the odour. You don't have to put it straight in the wash. A lot of times people will find that their garments last way longer and look better for longer if they spend on nice T-shirts to wear underneath, comfortable T-shirts that they don't sweat in. So something like a cotton, for example, will always make your jumpers, jackets and knitwear and everything last way longer. What about the bobbling of the jumpers? It's a killer. How do I avoid that? How does the person doing my washing avoid it, should I say? Well, like when you're shopping, first of all, is the one way. If you're buying cotton, look for long staple cotton. It won't bobble. And sometimes you'll see a very expensive cotton crew neck jumper on say, Like you'll see it'll be like 50 euro and you'll think, oh, wow, it's 50 euro. This isn't going to bobble. It's going to be stunning. It's not going to lose its integrity at all when I wear and wash it. If it's not long staple cotton or extra long staple cotton, it's going to bobble after one to two wears and one wash. If you have a garment that you have right now that you want to prevent bobbling, turn it inside out when you wash it. Because if you wash a jumper or a knitwear or something with denim, and like washes are designed for garments to rub against each other to clean them, like to basically... It's, it's like hand washing, you know, when you're rubbing the fabrics against each other. That's what the clothes are doing. So if you turn your jumpers and sweaters inside out, they're not going to bobble because not other harsh fabrics aren't going to be rubbing against them. So that's the first thing you need to do. Also, if you have a jumper that bobbles really easily, make sure you're wearing it with things like a lined coat instead of a denim jacket where it's just going to rub under the arms. And then I would say once a season, you can use a debobbler or a wool comb and take the bobbles off and your garment will go on for much longer. My bobble days are over, Laura. Thank you over. so much. Over, they're for done. Those, <laughs> that wonderful <laughs> advice there. Now let's talk jeans because jeans, people just love them. Jeans for all ages as well. Again, I come back to that. You know, how many wears are the jeans and how should you care for them to keep them at their best? So the jeans, it'll, it'll, the main difference is what they're made out of. And I go into like denim and jeans um, in detail in the book because I, as you say, it's an item that most people wear. You know, not every, I have a friend who just hates jeans. She'll only wear like tights and skirts. But jeans are popular in a lot of wardrobes. So the main thing is you've got to figure out what you want the denim to do for you. Do you want it to have a stretch? Do you want it to be baggier? Do you want it to be looser fit? If you want it to be tighter and skinnier, you're going to have an elastane in it. Elastane cannot handle warm temperatures when you're washing it. And most denim is the same. You want it to be on a cooler wash so it doesn't lose the dye. Then I go into the book, which I won't go into now because it's a bit of detail. The direction of the weave in the denim can make a massive difference to the fit, how you buy it, what you should be looking for for higher quality denim. But the care of denim is super important. Wash it as much as you want because... I'm, who am I to say how dirty your denim gets or how clean you need it? But the more you wash it, the more you will lose fibres. If you have a, you know, the kind of saggy bottom or the kind of saggy knees that you get on some denim, that will be the elastane going in it. So just keep it away from warm temperatures. And then if you find you get creasing on denim that you can't iron out or white marks along the denim along creases, that is from the denim drying a little bit inside the drum. So the minute your denim is washed, go straight to the washing machine and take it out and let it dry, not creased up in the drum. Any bit of drying at all in denim is going to cause creasing that's really hard to get out and it can damage the fibres. 
And I would always as well tuck something into the waistband when wearing denim because usually the part that we have to wash is along the waistband. And is it true you turn them inside out and zip up the zip? Always, yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot tell you the zip, when it comes to washing garments, one zip can destroy multiple garments in the washing machine. Like I was saying there about the agitation with the clothes rubbing against each other. That basically means the zip, when it's open, is scratching fabrics. If you put in a really lovely, like a going out top in a soft fabric, it's going to probably rip it without you realising it. Then if you turn jeans inside out, it means they're not rubbing against anything else. The dyes then aren't coming off and the dyes are able to stay within the leg. So you're not losing a lot of dyes there. So I would always make sure that you're zipping up the zip and turning them inside out and then pulling them out of the drum as soon as possible. Now, moving on to a more generic term, and I'll mention fabric softener. And I'm sure you're (laughs) you're recoiling as I mention that because you're not a fan. I'm not. And I feel like rather than saying you should never use fabric softener because a lot of people really love it. I would like people to just figure out what what garments they shouldn't be using fabric softener on. So if you turn around your bottle of fabric softener, many of them do say don't use on terry. And terry cloth is toweling, right? So you're not really supposed to use fabric softener on anything that you rely on for absorption because it makes it less absorbent. So your bed sheets, you'll sweat more if there's fabric softener on them. T-shirts, um, towels, your dressing gown, for example, those are things that you rely on to keep you cool. And they keep you cool or they dry you or they wipe away moisture because they're absorbent. Whereas if you put fabric softener onto any of those, it'll absorb the fabric softener. And then that's usually got an oily kind of product in it that stays on the fibre to keep the smell. So a lot of times it'll say just to use on delicates like wool and silk. So first of all, make sure that whatever fabric softener you're using is advised for the garments you're putting it on. If you just love the smell and that's the only reason you're using fabric softener, consider things like washing a handkerchief in fabric softener and putting it on the inside of your coat or throwing it into your handbag and then you've got that scent throughout the day or washing your favourite throw on your sofa with it and then that can keep the smell in the room rather than coating garments in this product that will actually reduce their lifetime. In place of softener, believe it or not, Laura DeBarra is recommending vinegar. <laughs> Tell me more about I this. Oh, vinegar. I call her Queen V. I'm obsessed with her. So the first thing is vinegar dries odourless. So if you're using it in laundry, you're not going to walk out the door smelling like a bag of chips. That's like, even though I think that would be glorious. <laughs> but that's like the first thing to remember. Like you're, it's not, you're not going to be owed to vinegar for the rest of your days. So if you throw a cup of vinegar in at the rinse stage of a cycle, or you leave garments soaked in some vinegar, like white t-shirts, for example, during summer, they can remove the yellow, vinegar can remove the yellowing pits. It can remove deodorant stains. There's a lot of tips how to use vinegar there, but it can also brighten loads. So if you're washing bed linen, for example, a cup of vinegar in that wash can brighten that entire wash and take away residue left from fabric softener. If you have a garment that keeps smelling a bit wet and damp, a lot of times it's because you've overused laundry products on it and they can't get out of the fibres and it's holding on to that odour. Soak that in some vinegar and water. I'd usually say a litre of water and a cup of vinegar and leave that soak for about an hour and it'll loosen all those fibres. So it, it whitens, it brightens, it deodorises. It'll like take away any st- stubborn stains like sun cream or deodorant and a lot of dye stains as well it can be really good for. And it's gorgeous on chips with loads of salt as well. I'll just it's, mention. It's stunning. It is an all-rounder. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really is. But... That brings me to the point that you talk about as well, 
the definition of clean and cleanliness today. Talk to me about that because you believe we're on the wrong tack altogether. Yeah, but I, I, I get why we've gotten here because there's always been a new way to almost make people in the domestic sphere feel like they're not clean enough, cleaning enough. You know, like you must always have the latest appliance in the kitchen. In laundry, you must always have a stronger smell, stronger smell, stronger. You know, I think we over launder because we don't realise what it does to our clothes. But then there's the perception of clean and the reality of clean. And if you were to think of anything else that you make clean, it doesn't smell like a product. It smells like itself. So I do think we do need laundry detergent and we do need products in laundry. But too many is actually just creating you know, a perception of clean when the garment probably isn't clean and you're probably overloading it with chemicals. You don't need a lot of the scent boosters and the products that are in laundry detergents. And you certainly don't need them multiplied, you know, five or six products in the laundry. In the laundry, that's mainly just a way to make people feel like they need it and that coming across smelling like laundry is a really positive thing when it's actually probably just ruining your clothes. This book I say it again, is simply brilliant. May I say that it's a Bible when it comes to, you know, making the right decisions when we're buying our clothing and looking after it when you have it and having it for as long a time as possible. I mean, it's simply brilliant. It's one of the best books I've ever come across when it comes to what we've just been talking about. I really appreciate it. It took so long for me to put that book together. So to hear that people see value in what's in there, honestly, I appreciate it so much. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, we do a lot of books and we cover off a lot of books on the show. And this is right up there in one of the best ever. And I'll tell you this, I normally give them away to my listeners. But don't tell anyone, Laura. I'm keeping this for myself. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you just said there that you were going to keep that book. Oh, I am. I have it here sitting beside what? me. What? if somebody out there our listeners zapped us in what zapped us in a picture ran upstairs and think right what's the oldest thing I have in my wardrobe took a quick picture what zapped us in and told us right I bought this in 1993 or whatever and I still wear it would you, would you? No. Garment Goddess it's called by Laura DeBarra would you <laughs> now they mightn't you know you mightn't you know maybe they're all like you and all have new clothes but if somebody does send would you think about giving it away I'm going to come back on that little statement you made there in a second anyway <laughs> um, I have me duds don't you worry <laughs> would I give the book away <laughs> it was a really good one like if somebody sent in a really good uh, you know picture of a pair of jeans or a top that they've Bought. Or a coat or anything. Yeah. Oh, okay, listen, you, you've, you've put me on the spot mm. and I, I, I'm, I'm a generous sort. Mm. I will, I reluctantly, I, I'll, yeah, I'll reluctantly give it away. So what, look at what you've got to do, but this is the condition. You photocopy it first before you no, give it away no, for yourself. All right, you're all right. <laughs> so what you've got to do, okay, we'll do this. Okay, we'll do it. All right. Okay, so what you got to do is get a photo, go up to your wardrobe wherever, take a picture of a garment, jeans, jumper, top, whatever you have that you have a long time. Tell us when you, you bought it first uh, and uh, WhatsApp it into us. WhatsApp the picture into us. 086-1800-658. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp us in a pic and we'll see what happens. Now, I'll tell you, if I'm not happy with them, I'm not mm. giving it away. Can you give me that little leeway as well? Oh, the, yeah, you've got to do this now. You've got to do this right, folks. That's your little uh, task mm. for today on Late Lunch. You never know. They might might come across something that they haven't yeah. worn in a year or two yeah. and they might 
fall true. in love with it all over again. Very, very true. I have me duds. I love me duds. Mm. I love me clothes that I have. I bought a T-shirt in TK Maxx years ago and I won't let it go. And it's nearly in bits at this stage. I love it. But I do. You're right about one thing. Mm. I love new clothes. Yeah. I do. And I, I tend to, you know, have um, some new clothes on standby. And then when I get to a point with others, I recycle them. I take mm. them to the charity. You declutter. I do. Mm. That's all right, isn't it? Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. As regards washing, I know nothing about washing clothes. I never washed a stitch of clothes in my life. Never. And I've never ironed a stitch of clothes in my life. They know that anyway. But I've never washed really a stitch of clothes. And you know... Do you know how to wash the... Like use the washing machine if your wife was away? I'll tell you what. I just push everything in regardless of what it was. <laughs> oh, I'd turn no. it to it. I'd turn it to a setting on it and I'd press go. I bet you one of those lads that just white goes in with everything and then comes out grey. <laughs> yeah, everything have. white in the house turns grey. I wouldn't have a clear, but I'll, I'll tell the story again. Bought this beautiful jumper in Rome uh, many moons ago. Beautiful. It lasted years. It was one of those I took care of and somebody else doing a wash for us one day. <laughs> Put it in and when I got it back it wouldn't fit Action Man. Oh no. It had shrunk that oh, much. No. Oh no. And I was crying. I was crying. I was crying because I love that jumper. It wouldn't fit, fit Action Man and I'm not exaggerating. It shrunk that much we had looked after for years and years but that's the way that's the way of the world and the way things go but great great uh, advice there from Laura DeBarra really mm. great advice and I'll tell you I'm let's try that vinegar I'm, trick yeah I'm not joking you I did say, and I don't say it lightly it's an absolutely brilliant book it's called Garment Goddess by Laura DeBarra and buying looking after minding washing take care of you know it's all there anyway It's time for this on Late Lunch and let me say on this Friday afternoon this is one of my personal favourite songs of all time. If I had a top 10 of songs, Louise, this song would be in it. I absolutely love it. I smile when I hear it. It brings back memories. It is an absolute classic. He's gone at this stage. He's no longer with us. But his music lives on. And this is the definitive Jerry Rafferty song on your late lunch. Yes, takes me back years and years, and I'm there now with Jerry. Of course, where am I? I'm in Baker Street. Winding your way down in Baker Street, lighting your head and dead on your feet. Well, another crazy day. Drink the night away and forget about it. Ah, it looks like I'm going to have to give the book away, <laughs> Louise. I knew there had to be people out there with the clothes that are old. <laughs> Look at the messages coming in there. The WhatsApps and photographs. Give us a flavour for what you have there at the moment. I have Richard sent in a lovely picture of his top. Lovely red top. Um, I have this top, Jerry, since 2005, I think. Porrick Harrington was due to wear this exact top at the Irish Open on the Saturday. Oh. But he didn't make the cut. <laughs> there, there you go. go. I wonder if that's the same top or... Similar top to it. S- and a similar top, you yeah. know what I mean, I'd say to it. But maybe it is the original. Richard, let us know. What else? Um, there's another, just doesn't give a name. Bought this fleece in the late 1980s from an Oxendale catalogue. And sti- I'm still wearing it. Love it. It's a lovely blue fleece. Um, there's just no name as far as I can see on it. Yeah. And then uh, Elizabeth from Carrick Macross sent in a beautiful um, dress. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. Lovely gorgeous, summery dress. Yeah. And there's another one. Done stores. Uh, I Jerry, I have this linen suit bought in Dunn stores 40 years mm. ago and I still wear it. Isn't that fabulous mm. there? Oh my, oh my. Listen, I have to give it away now. So if you haven't got your WhatsApp picture in yet of a classic p- piece of clothing yeah, on. you have in your wardrobe, come ahead and send it to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp. Send us in your pics for Laura DeBarra's brilliant book called Garment Goddess. Keep them coming. You're great. There you go. I have to give it away. I have to part with the book. I will, of course. I'm a decent soul. I always do what I say. Anyway, it's time to give this a little spin on your late lunch. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the late lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you could do that around the washing machine Louise <laughs> you could anyway that's our TV theme today it's from a famous TV advert for a famous brand I'll just say a famous brand what's the brand name that that TV theme uh, advert is from the TV theme there advert today what brand are we talking about there for that TV <laughs> advert now let's move on on the show and it is that day on Late Lunch to talk once more to the woman who knows all about books she's simply brilliant yes she's waiting on the line patiently Irene Gahan hello again how are you? I'm good, thanks. I don't know about knowing everything. <laughs> ah, listen, you know more than most, I have to well, say. Sure, you're a boogie-wook, as I always uh, mention. Do you know the answer to the quiz, which I won't say anything, oh, but no. it's my favourite act. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? It That's is. That's all I'll say. It is, Irene. It's simply brilliant. It is. Anyway, let's get down to business. Let's begin first with your choice for Book of the Month, please. Uh, book of the month is called The Moongate, um, and I really liked it. And I, I you know, I kind of like historical fiction, um, but I'm kind of getting into this whole sort of multiple timelines because I think it's brilliant. I think it pulls through so well. Um, and The Moongate was by is by Amanda Jared, and it's very, very popular and super popular. It's our book club book of the month, and it's our Mother's Day book, um, so Mother's Day coming around as well. And it's really, really popular. Um, so it's a multiple timelines and it's really interesting because the author herself is a geologist. She grew up in Tasmania where the first part is set. She lived in London um, where the second part is set and she now lives in County Kerry which is now her home and that's where the third part is set. <laughs> so she's weaving all these things into into the story and yeah. it basically it's kind of a wartime secret about an abandoned house and it's there's a mystery going on but it's based in 1939 and then the second bit is 1975 and the third bit is 2004 and it's a lovely book it's just really nice it pulls you in and the characters are lovely and you're following the story very how would i put very lucinda riley anyone who loves lucinda riley would really really enjoy this mm. so 
Have you have you seen it? Have you have you read? Have no, you no, seen no. It? I, I, I've I've seen the publicity around the book, mm-hmm. and, and you know it is a, a wonderful. Uh, what would you say? A fusing of the three different eras, yes. and how this house called Towerhurst is, yes. you know, common to the three different times and generations. One thing I will say to you about it: it, it it's um, fiction blended with fact, isn't it? It is. It's it a is. combination of both. And and Irene. 500 pages plus. It's a big book. <laughs> but it, well, it's not. It's, it's, it's big, but it's not, you know, it, it's not I Am Pilgrim or any War and Peace. Yes. Um, but I think if you break it into three, di- if you think of it as kind of nearly three different books in one in terms of three different stories, you can kind of get an idea where it's going. I mean, if you were to kind of look for the overall, it's kind of about love and family and secrets and mysteries. Yes. Um, and all that kind of combined in. But I love the, I love how she pictures Tasmania. I just think it's amazing that you know, and she she really, really puts the picture there. 15-year-old Grace Gray, an English heiress, going off to live with her, you know, eccentric uncle. I mean, you know, how other, how else would you describe an uncle? Most uncles are slightly eccentric. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then she she doesn't get on very well with her aunt, but she goes over with a governess, and she finds it very, very difficult over there. But then this Irish neighbour called... Daniel McKitty Goody, basically kind of this Irish uh, neighbour kind of helps her start to settle in and enjoy it and and, kind of, and live in this uh, in, in this incredible house that that's there. Mm. Um, but then obviously we find out he's been called off to war um, and sort of all things change. And then we jump through then to 1995 when Willow, an, an artist, Willow Hawken, has left the house anonymously, anonymously and her and her husband head off to kind of, uh, you know, move to this house yes, and then uncover all the secrets. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they go to take possession and it's a big, tr- you know, it's a big thing. They go off, take possession and, and then all the secrets that they find, um, you know, they start to find lots of secrets and everything gets unraveled. But it's really Libby Andrews, who is the kind of main character, who's Willow's daughter. Um, we find out that her, her father had, her father has passed away in mysterious circumstances and, um, her mother hides everything, and she kind of goes off to uncover the story from the whole, from all three timelines. If that makes sense. Yes, so, yes. But, uh, you know, but yeah. not necessarily some secrets. But you've described it well. Yes, that 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 she is the one that ties together 1939, 1975, and 2004. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Um, I I think just to to say before we finish on it. If you read this book, I was just reading a lot of people who who have read it. They they all seem to say, you know, when you're reading a book, you want something to happen. Well, it did, but at the end, there's a hell of a twist, <laughs> as you know. And don't you're not going yes. to anyway. You're not going to say oh, of it. Of course, but not. there is. Would I, would I even, <laughs> no, Jerry? no. Would I even? There's a twist and a half at the end. But you love it. It is your book of the month. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. And we'll just mention it again. One to get. One to look out for. The Moon Gate by Amanda Gaird, and it is recommended highly by our Irene. Absolutely. Now, let's move on to your second choice and all I can say about this book before we even mention the title of the name Creepy, Unsettling and Compelling. <laughs> is that fair enough to say? Yeah, it is. It's 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 an interesting take. Uh, you know, there's an awful lot of books out there that are same, you know, they're kind of same, same story, same mm. story, same story. Um, and this kind of looks at it slightly differently, takes a slightly different approach. 
Um, and it's called Emma Disappeared by Andrew Hughes. Yes. And it's due out next month. Okay. And it's it looks at it in a different way. Again, it's timeline based, but in, we're looking at it from through the eyes of James Lister, who is uh, he works in the National Archives and. He, we look at it from before Emma has disappeared. So obviously Emma has disappeared, whoever this Emma is. So Emma Hart is a uni grad and she's kind of an entrepreneur and she's very middle class, went to Trinity and she has disappeared. But the book starts be- just before she has disappeared. Yeah. And it's seen through the eyes of this guy called James um, like Lister. And it, he narrates the story and it's interesting because we're nearly following him as if I was reading the, when I was reading it, I kind of there's an awful mention of CCTV. So they're all trying to track her movements and track at this, track that. And it's set in kind of modern times. So there's an awful lot of camera. There's an awful lot of mention of social media. There's an awful lot of, um, you know, more modern techniques for, you know, for investigating. And this guy, James, shall we say, we don't really know. We know that there's something very creepy going on about him, but we don't know if he is the victim or the perpetrator. Yes, <laughs> yes, and that is that is the thing about this book. You don't know. It's funny, as you say, he's the narrator. You think he's removed from it, but then as the book moves on, he's drawn yeah. more and more into the story. It is a modern day tale set. She yeah. disappears in Dublin uh, city centre. Uh, into thin air, Emma Hart seems to disappear. Then there's a body found. Then he's drawn into it. And I don't want you to say anymore because it's coming out next month. It's called Emma Disappeared by Andrew Hughes. Our Irene has read it. You like this book. You really like it, I don't you? I did like it. But yes. I like that kind of thing. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I know it's your genre, but it is. It is. And, and it's eagerly awaited is all I'll say. Now, on to your third and final choice. And this one is called The List of Suspicious Things by Jenny Godfrey. Yes. And you don't want to throw me to this. Obviously, I like I love lists. So I just thought this was an interesting title for if nothing else. And the cover was lovely. But what interested me more was it was set in West Yorkshire in 1979-1980. And what I liked about it was I used to be, I used to watch Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> yes. So Foggy, Foggy Clegg and Campo. Oh, and that was my only that was my only frame of reference for Yorkshire. And that is exactly what we were looking what we are looking at here. It's a coming of age story. Um and it's basically about the the, the premise of it is about an eleven year old um called Mavis and she innocently sets around to try and find who who the Yorkshire Ripper is because obviously he was prevalent around that time. Mm. So that's kind of her mission statement. She's not necessarily aware. She knows women are going missing. She knows people are being murdered. But in a child's head, it's not, you know, it's kind of secondary to everything. So she decides to set out with her friend Sharon and solve it by basically making a list of all the suspicious people and all the suspicious things mm. that happen in her village. But it's what's interesting from this book is it's kind of a social narration of Yorkshire in the 1970s, early 80s, Thatcher, um, you 
know, quite bleak. Um, you know, the, the mines were being closed, coal mines, you know, all that Arthur Scargill, coal mines, all this was going on. A lot of poverty was going along. And so it's set against the backdrop of all this time. And she paints an amazing picture. When I was reading it, I could just picture all this going on. Yes. And even though you're looking at it through the eyes of an 11-year-old, the innocence of things that she sees and secrets that she finds, that she reveals, are not necessarily apparent to her, but they're apparent to you. <laughs> yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, so it's it does. It's very funny as well. It, it it's does. very funny. Yeah, and those times, of course, when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister, you know, yeah. all that was going on in Britain, but it's an unusual take on it. It really, really is. Yeah. It, this is a debut novel and... Uh, Incredible it, debut it's novel. An, yeah, I mean, that's I, it. It is. And that's what they're saying about it, aren't they? That it is unbelievable yeah. for a first. Yeah. For a first novel, absolutely, it really is. And... To set it, um, kind of to set it back then. Obviously, she has like you know she has the the background to it, but it really is more a, st- a story of friendship and it's yeah. a story. It, it is a coming of age. It is a um, you know it's it's not a dark dark book. It's it's humorous in a lot of places, um, and I suppose it's got that kind of humor as well from the. You know, Mavis. I mean, her name is Mavis. I mean, it's yeah, just perfect it's brilliant. for, it's absolutely for that brilliant. whole. A great it's name. Lovely. Yeah. It's a brilliant name, and it, particularly for that time and, and and that. But it's basically about her uh, her community and you know within that time and the small and the innocence of setting around of a 12, 11, 12 year old going off to try and find. Yeah. Jack the Ripper is because she doesn't want to leave no. her, her parent, her mum and her, her dad and her aunt, sorry, are thinking about moving her. So she has a reason for going after, you know, for going. I'm doing to, this little investigation this, of our own. It's a lovely some. book. Okay. I mean, it's like yeah. a hug. Lovely, <laughs> yes. The List of Suspicious Things by Jenny Godfrey, a debut. Again, Irene Gahan recommends on late lunch this Friday afternoon. Lovely to catch you. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Irene Gahan there, of course. Academy Books in Southgate Shopping Centre. Look after you with all your reading requirements. Late lunch, LMFM radio, short break. After the break, it's your comedy on Friday. Fair juicy out there. That's all I can say. Sending us in, WhatsApping us in the pictures of your classic wardrobe pieces. They're great, aren't they, Louise? Yeah, fantastic. Fair play to you. Look at that one there. My Aunt Phyllis was a seamstress and made this in the 1950s. I love it and wore really it all cool. the time. But I'm now afraid to since I lost a button and ironically afraid to overwash it. Great tips from your guest, says Alicia. Isn't that lovely? Mm. Isn't it's it? really colourful. Oh, my God. Vibrant. Almighty, it really is vibrant there. There's more, isn't there? There's more of them there. They're, they're interspersed there with the, uh, with the TV theme. Yeah, there's one. Did we... Go on. Did we say the one about uh, Thelma? No? Uh, Thelma no. just said she has a shirt she bought in Awear in 1986 and she wears it every summer. Wow. It's 86? 86. Really? In Awear. I loved Awear. Jeans you? from Awear were just the best. Were they? Yeah. Uh, still th- have them. There are texts there without pictures. I'll read a, a couple of them. I have a, a red Slazenger jumper I bought from Michael Carr in Dyer Street in Drogheda. Oh God, that's not today or yesterday. It's the 70s. Uh, it's perfect. I also have lovely suits. I still wear them. Clothes today don't have as nice a cut, says Rose to us this afternoon. Jerry, we put our good jumpers and tops into a pillowcase 
and then put them in the wash and they never bobble. I like I like That's that. That's a good tip, mm, isn't love it? Love that. Thank you indeed for that. The A-Wear shirt is there as well. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, Baker Street, Jerry. One of my favourite songs of all time. I'm just hearing you playing it there on LMFM. It's a great tune. Thanks mm. from... A 90-year-old listener uh, loves Baker Street. Love you too. Did you see the um, the lovely waistcoat? No. It kind of got lost among the go on, Guinness go on, go on. Have you got it? text. Yeah. But yeah. it's uh, bought this in Coventry Garden in London in the late 90s. Adore it. But unfortunately, it doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> Louise, you know why I'm laughing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> You've just given um, away. No, I didn't. You see, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what are you like? What are you like at all? I'm like, I just got... Nobody, nobody heard, heard me saying Carlsberg. Nobody, nobody heard it. Yeah, no. nobody heard That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> Just, anyway, just to mention, Kalosh and the Hinch students uh, staged their musical Grease tonight and tomorrow night. It was sold out last night in the school hall, Betty's Town. The doors open at 7, showtime 7.30. It's 15 euro. You can pay on the door. I believe it's fantastic. Kalosh and the Hinch students, Grease the musical in the school tonight and tomorrow night from half seven. Now, let's give this a whirl on late lunch. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called... Comedy? Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. Well, you can blame Louise for this one this week. No, you can't. You can thank her for it. This is your idea, and I absolutely Mm. love it because we've been on the pothole trail during the week and the state of the roads, and Louise says, you got to spin this on Friday. Yes. And And it's it's her 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary, yes. We're going back to Peppa Pig, who's 20 this very week, celebrating its Peppa Pig birthday. Anyway, the comedy today is from Peppa Pig. (laughs) (laughs) Even Peppa Pig. And it's all about digging up the road. Stop! Mr Bull has stopped the traffic. What's the problem, Mr Bull? Moo! We're digging up the road! There's water coming out of the ground! Yes! That's what we're here to fix! Is it going to take long? It will take as long as it takes! George likes diggers. This way, Mr. Rhino! Okay, boss! Mr. Bull is the boss. Mr. Bull, where's all that water coming from? It's coming from a broken water pipe underground. How are you going to fix it? We dig up the road! We turn the water off. George loves cranes. Crane! Crane! We take the old pipe out and put the new one in. (laughs) Thank you for showing us your work, Mr Bull. No problem. Bye! See you later! Oh dear, George doesn't want to leave Mr Bull. We're going to the playground, George. (laughs) You can play diggers and cranes in the sand pit. And we'll see Mr Bull again on our way home. (laughs) Pepper and her family have arrived at the playground. Hooray! (laughs) Pepper, 
George, it's time to go home. <laughs> oh dear, George doesn't want to go home yet. <laughs> On the way home, George, we can see Mr. Bull digging up the road. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, Peppa. <laughs> Peppa and George are looking forward to seeing Mr. Bull again. Here we are. Oh, Mr. Bull is not here. Mr. Bull must have finished and gone home. Again. No, Pepper. This time it's faulty electrical cables. How do you mend a clackety cables? We dig up the road! <laughs> Pepper and George love it when Mr. Bull digs up the road. Everyone loves it when Mr. Bull digs up the road. <laughs> John's been on to say the council could do it hiring Mr. Bull. <laughs> uh, they might already have. No, they have. <laughs> they they have lots of Mr. Bulls because they dig up the road. They Look, I, I was talking about it during the week and ironically, outside where I live, I was showing you Louise, on the Ballamacenny Road that's going to be mightily busier next week with the new half road opening. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a major pothole, and I think I said it on this show last week. They've you did, dug, Jay. They've dug that up three times in the space of maybe two weeks, mm. and you want to see what they put into it. They might as well put porridge into it to reinstate it, porridge, because that's how bad it is. And the belt, the cars are hitting it. You know what I'm talking about. I passed you, a gesture. Just I just, it. yeah, This is just, just getting bigger and bigger. But thankfully, I've been in touch with a couple of people, and they promised me they're on to it to try and sort it out. But it's just unbelievable. Such hey, a dig up the road. Real dig up the road. <laughs> and put nothing into it and leave the holes there forever until loads of cars have their tyres smashed, etc. And people are in danger. Yes, Pepper will be making a new series of uh, the programme soon with Mr Bull when it comes to ourselves. Anyway, we move on a late lunch and coming up after the break, he's back and he has some lovely recommendations for you. He's the man who knows all about wine. Rick Grandier's in the house next. Any man that walks into the late lunch studio in a pair of shorts on a day like that deserves a warm welcome. Rick Cronjay, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Different shows from the last time now, in fairness. <laughs> Different is right. And as Rick said to me, well, less to get wet if you're out. And, and I can't argue with that. No. I, I understand that no. as well. Anyway, thank you for dropping in to us again. We're going to talk today about uh, the whole process of uh, making wines, the steps involved in making wines. So let's kick straight into it uh, and talk about, there are five steps here, right? That is and right, harvesting first. Now, harvesting is different times in the no- northern and southern hemispheres, first off. Yes. Yes, Jerry, And um, uh, of course, yeah, because that's, that's how they harvest. But there's a more important reason for us as consumers as well, because if you look at the southern hemisphere, that's February to April, northern hemisphere, August to October. So there's a six-month gap there. So when you look at a bottle and there's 2023 on it, well, if it's from the southern hemisphere, that's in February, March, April, because that's when it's harvested. Yes. Uh, whereas Northern Hemisphere, you're much later. So if you get a 2023 and it's now 2024, 
just remember there's a six month gap there. That's a very good point to yes. bear in mind. Yes. And, it, and it has uh, uh, an effect on the wine as well in oh, terms of the age. It does. Of course it does. Yes, it does. It really Jerry. does. Very important. So harvesting, um, I suppose uh, the timing is crucial. Very, Jerry. I mean, this is all very scientifically based. Now they, you know, they'll uh, get the grapes, they'll take it into the lab, they're looking for sugar, they're looking for acid, they're looking for tannins. Very, very uh, important. And then at the time of harvesting as well, I mean, I remember in, in Cape Town, for instance, if the temperatures are very high, you have to switch to nighttime harvesting. Mm. So, uh, yeah, crucial. crucial. Timing is crucial. And scientific. And, so yeah. what's the difference between hand-picking and mechanical harvesting? Does that have an impact as well? Very much so, Jerry. Hand-pick, obviously, it's far more delicate. It's, it's very precise because you're only picking the, uh, the very top grapes. And it's generally reserved for the higher-end market. Uh, mechanical harvesting uh, now is mostly uh, for big areas, but it also depends on the supply of labor, which in the last, certainly since COVID, has become a, a real issue. Mm. Yes. And I suppose the mechanical, you get everything into the mix. It oh, everything. everything. Unfortunately, <laughs> Branches, Terry, yeah. stones, the whole lot goes the in. The whole lot That's goes that. in. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's fast. It's it's very economical. But there is the downside to it where your quality control at the end has to be, um, yeah, intensified. Yeah. Intensified is right at that Correct. stage. Now, crushing and pressing, is that the same term? It's basically the same It's term. It's basically the same term, uh, Jerry. absolutely. Uh, the reason why I want to separate it because uh, pressing is a far more delicate uh, okay. process. Uh, crushing is just you know, where they just dump everything in the steel tank. It's got an organ, it just drives everything and it pushes up against the filter, whereas pressing is a far more gentle process. Okay, so when yeah. we come through that then, we're into the fermentation stage. How long does fermentation typically last? It can go from days, Jerry, a week, eight days, and it can go to a month, it can go even more. And uh, our first wine year, which is a white wine, for instance, spent 20 days in a steel tank fermenting. So it just depends what the winemaker wants uh, to do with the end product. And where you ferment it, of course, is significant as well, is it? Or is it all done in steel tanks to ferment uh, No, no. It can be done in steel. It can be done in, in uh, wood. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, uh, in Greece, for instance, they still use a very old tradition uh, uh, method, very limited now, in concrete tanks. Okay. So, uh, again, it's the choice of the winemaker, what he wants to do with it. Uh, if I can just quickly elaborate there, Jerry. If you want to preserve the grape for its, uh, for instance, in white grapes, you want to preserve, you know, the fruitiness and the characteristics, go steel. Okay. The moment you go for wood, you're absorbing the flavor from the wood. Yes. Could be a first time, could be second, third vat. So, yeah, again, okay. choice. Clarification, I've never heard of this term before, also known as racking. What racking, is this? yeah. Yeah, it's the same. It's just two different names for the same thing. Uh, basically, what you're now doing, Jerry, is you had your fermentation. Now you want to take your almost final product and move it to another tank 
to settle because in your original fermentation, all the heavy stuff, the husks, the, the stalks, everything is now sinking to the bottom. Okay. Now you need to get that off. We use the word clarification because uh, that's that's really what you are doing. You, you're trying to get that off now. And you leave the sediment and everything else in the it bottom. It stays in the and bottom. And withdraw the, the rest yes, from it. Yes, it could be gravity withdrawn. Yeah. It could be pumped over. You yes, know, but you don't disturb what's at the bottom. No, you want to no, leave, leave, leave that, that as it is. Leave that, yeah. Now, fine wines we hear of as well, and there's a term <laughs> called fining. You know, where substances mm. are added to wine to clarify. Yes, egg white, egg white, very much so. Now you're talking probably a tablespoon in a big massive five thousand litre tank. Jerry. Right. Yeah. What does it and, do? Well, what it does, uh, believe it or not, it the moment it goes in, it attracts these very, very fine particles. You won't see this with the naked eye now, but it attracts that. And again, once it attracts it, it gets heavy, it drops down. And that's what they call fining. Mm. And you'll see it on the label. It says fine wine. Yes. And that's what it does. Now, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, impart any flavor to the wine itself. Okay. But this is really, I mean, this is now top-end wines you're going for. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, uh, ageing, which includes bottling. So you can age in barrels or oak or whatever. Yes. Or else you bottle it up and you age it in the bottle. Yes. Or combination. You know, I'm thinking Rioja, you know, Crianza and, and Gran Reserva, where you have to keep it in the wood, for instance, for up to two years and another year in the bottle on the estate before you can release. Important, though, when you harvest... That is the vintage on the bottle. Okay. So even if you kept it for another three years, you still got to get that. The year on the bottle, that is the year that it was harvested. Correct. Okay. That is the law. I want to bear that in mind. In terms of, I often hear you saying this, you say a light-bodied, a medium-bodied, a full-bodied wine. Yes. What distinguishes? Is it the alcohol content? It's the alcohol content. Now, there is obviously some crossover between it. Yeah. But... Anything 12.5% and less is considered light-bodied. And then 125 to 13.5% uh, is medium-bodied. And then 135 plus will be considered uh, a full body. The reason why I say there's a bit of a crossover there, Jerry, by law, you have a 0.5% variation okay. in the alcohol. Because just as you mentioned at the start of the program, when you bottle it, you know, it goes in at, say, 13.5%. But as it ages in the bottle, it will probably pick up a bit or go the other way as yes. well. Yeah. So, so yeah. But legally, you're entitled to that half a percent that's, leeway. That's interesting. Really interesting. So, look, let's get to the wines today. You've brought three wines. They're all from Dunn's stores. Will we start with the white? What do you want to start yes, with? The uh, white? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we start with the white one, please. So, the white you brought today is from Spain. It's Marcus de Riscal. Uh, it's the Verdeo Grape 2022, uh, €12 Euro from Dunn Stores. And straight away, before you say, go on, pour away there, I just see straw yellow. Can I say straw Absolutely, yellow? Absolutely, uh, Jerry, straw yellow. I bottle straight away yeah. when I see it. It yeah. really is distinctive as a straw yellow colour. Now, I'm getting citrus fruits there for yeah. sure, is there, yeah? In yeah. that, yeah? It's a 2022... And as we just said. I love it. Yeah. Lovely and light. I love Jared. it. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful, Rick. 
oh my word. And in the percentage wise, what are you talking percentage wise? Uh, I think it's 13%. Yeah. And you know what? You could just, I mean that folks. And you know, I take a little sip here each time Rick is with me and only a sip and drink wine, please. uh, Always responsibly and with lots of water and food as well. You could just sip that for the evening without anything, but you should eat. But couldn't you? Isn't that a lovely sipping it's wine? Lovely, Jerry, and 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 we have the weather for it as well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want to be sipping something to get that bloody nonsense that's going on Absolutely. out there out of your head for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's gorgeous, Rick. It's lovely and light, Jerry, and as you say, you can sip away on its own. And um, I thought it was. It's got the flavours, that citrus, that that greenery in it, but it's also fairly it, it neutral. And what I mean by that is, if you're going to take food with it, it won't affect your palate. Yes, you know, it's not going to coat it. With I'd be something. lovely with fish. Prawns, oh, absolutely! Or like yeah, if you want, to, if you want to match it yeah. with, with food, that'd be my take. With and of course, Marcus yeah. the Riscal is a goes way back a, a huge company isn't it oh massive yeah. massive uh, Jerry and they go way back I think to 1858 or something <laughs> like <that>. these people <laughs> these people know how to make good wine I have to oh, say oh they do they do that's they a lovely do, red Dunn Stores 12 Euro Spain Marcus de Riscal Verdeo Grape 2022 it's a cracker Rick's on the money with this one for sure short break and late lunch we have two lovely reds here as well and more to talk about with our man I call him always the virtuoso of vino Rick Grange we've had the books with Irene Gahan now we're on to the wines with Rick Grange and he's just recommended an absolute cracking wine all the wines today come from Dunn's stores and the white again just to remind you with people asking us there is Spain Marcus the Riscal Verdeo Grape 2022 and 12 euro you've gone 22 22, I see with all your wines today because we're going to move on to the second one now. Any reason for that? Oh, it's just so that the comparison is fair, Jerry. Yeah, Yeah, the year, because um, I mean, it's different uh, parts of the world, different grapes. So at least one thing is standard, and it's the year 2022. And of course, they're all um, uh, northern. Northern Hemisphere wines, which were harvested later in the year than the Southern Hemisphere, which Rick pointed out a little bit earlier on. Okay, so let's move on to our second one. Your second wine is a red wine. It's from France. Tell them what you've selected. Yeah, it's the Silver Moki. Now, people will remember Silver Moki, the Sauvignon Blanc, and uh, New Zealand, of course, Marlborough. But they've uh, of late gone into France and uh, Chile and started making wines there. Now, they don't own uh, uh, vineyards as such so they still buy it in and have arrangements and that you know yeah um but yeah this is the pinot noir 2022 pinot noir as a grape on its own jerry i would say is probably one of the lightest reds that you can get uh, blends excluded now um and yeah this one i you know i I like it. I like it as far as Pinot Noir go. Uh, this particular one is from the France, the Languedoc uh, region. Now uh, let's that have a little collected taste of the, this. The, uh, the grapes from. I'll tell you one thing I like about it: seven euro eighty-four. Yeah, seven euro eighty-four. Unbelievable, cent. unbelievable, Jerry. Uh, I, I, I still mm. find it hard to believe the prices that you can buy wine for. Oh, Rick. Very light, isn't it? Jerry? Now I have another one that I can quaff by itself. <laughs> yes, 
Couldn't absolutely. You? you could do that. Oh, you absolutely, that? Isn't it Jerry, gorgeous? Yeah. It's, it's lovely. Very, very light, uh, certainly as far as, 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 as uh, the red wines go, you know. Oh, I tell you, that's a steal at that price. Oh, it's a giveaway, Jerry. It's a giveaway. Now, it's very light. Um, you if know, you were pairing it, if you wanted to have something with it, what do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, uh, I would go soft cheese yeah. to start off with and then white grilled meats. It, 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 even pork, mm. um, I, I think it will stand up to it. But it is light. Anything heavy food-wise, yes. no, it's, it's, it, it won't work, I it's don't think. It's a cracker. You've pulled out all the stops today. It must be to do with the weather. Not that you, you always do, anyway, but especially today, because <clears> they are after coming with two that I would say you could just, as I say, drink comfortably by themselves and yes. enjoy of an evening as well. It's France yeah. Silver Mokey Pinot Noir 2022 done stores again. €7.84 for a bottle of that beautiful, beautiful stuff. And we say again, drink responsibly, lots of water, food with your wine, and it really does enhance the experience. Now, (laughs) you brought a third one today. The gauntlet has been thrown down in front of you yourself today, Rick Cronje, because can you make it a hat-trick of crackers? What have you picked for your third one? Well, this, uh, Jerry, now is in uh, a category of its own. Uh, it's definitely one step up in terms of the, you know, heaviness uh, of the wine. And we're going to Chile, Diablo, and it's a Cabernet Sauvignon 2022 again. Now, f- to me, completely different from the other one. And that was to illustrate, you know, the difference in the grapes and the difference in the styles that uh, uh, that they um, use to to bring the final product to the table. Well, I just look at it there, number yeah. one, and when you compare, you know, the previous red, you can just see looking at it the difference, the, how deep this second red is. is. Look at the deep, Correct. how deep that colour yeah, is. Absolutely, completely different, uh, uh, Jerry. Completely altogether. Let let me see what what the, what the nose says. No, I, I forgot to mention with the other one. I would say buried fruit certainly in the other one. Berries, there's no doubt about it. This is stronger. There's something there's something more spicy about that, is there? There is. There is, Jerry. And of course completely different grape cabernet sauvignon. And um you know, this obviously chili southern hemisphere, they get a, a longer growing season and as we discussed in, in the different sugar contents uh, this will have a higher sugar content, so the alcohol will naturally uh, be higher in it. You've done it. A hat-trick for Rick today. It's marvellous. I like it, It's a marvellous wine. Yeah. There's body in that. There's Definitely. depth in it. Now, I enjoy just a little sip I take there of it, but certainly red meats, screaming red meats, Absolutely, me, Jerry. Yeah, I, I don't think anything else will, will stand up to it. it you're definitely going to need a red meat or hard cheese or something um, to go with it. Slight dryness on the back, mm. which I think uh, the age, 2022, but also I think that's what they wanted, uh, Jerry. They didn't want you to be coated. Sometimes you get that jammy, sugary coating. Yes. Um, and yeah. It's an absolute powerful wine, I have to say. I really, I, I couldn't fault. The three of them today are on my palate for sure. And this is a, a wine that uh, my sidekick would be fairly familiar with, Casalero del Diablo. That's it. 
<laughs> yes. Uh, well, Louise is smiling broadly in there as I mentioned those three words on a Friday. Castellero del Diablo. Lovely. Lovely wine. Well-known brand well as known. well. Yeah. Uh, Jerry. And um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that one. Now, you will need food though, Jerry. Yes. I, I think um, mm. the first glass, as always, just to appreciate and enjoy. But after that, yeah, yeah. go for food. What a recommendation. Chili uh, Diablo Cabernet Sauvignon 2022, €11.20 from Dunn. So in total today, on three wonderful bottles, you've only spent €31. That's Can't a, go wrong. That's here. a good deal. That's a good deal. Oh, you always think of the listeners with economy in mind as well. And, you know, you, you've just come up trumps with them all today. When you mention the glass, let's move on to this because we're bringing yes. in a little tip of the month uh, from, Wick, from Rick on the show here. Um, people in terms of filling a glass, you know yes. what I mean? Well, people who don't drink generally just pour it and fill it to the top. And people who love drink pour it in and fill it to the top as well. Yes. It's not the way, is it? You no, shouldn't really not. fill the glass to the top. No, no, Kerry. Halfway or slightly under halfway is the correct way. More so in white wine and definitely so in your sparkling and champagne. And the reason for that is other than, you know, etiquette, it's also in white wine in particular. If you have a full wine glass, by the time you get to the bottom, it's warmed up. Mm. The bubbles have gone. Yes. Flavour is gone. Yes. So, um, and in red wine, more or less the same uh, thinking behind it. No, it's just hard way because then you can appreciate the wine. You you know you can get the bouquet, everything out of it, um, and. I, I'm always a bit wary, uh, and I, I've seen this at weddings being done. You're not even finished, and it's being topped up. So anybody who's perhaps looking at how much they're consuming or have a reason for it, um, you just lose track of yes, it. Yes, you do. You know, you do. You do. That's for certain. I notice you're pouring the wine there today. Yes. And there's a technique for pouring that you don't have drips or drops. So just explain that to listeners that they can pick. Yes. It. What do you do? Well, when I go uh, pour wine, uh, whether it's at the table or, you know, in, in passing, uh, Jerry, I hold it with two hands. And then just as you stop pouring the glass, just give it a nice little twist on it about halfway around um i i twist away from me only because i'm right-handed but mm. uh and that just rounds the drip off so you shouldn't have any drops you lose uh, on the carpet you lose nothing <laughs> and you shouldn't lose a drip either that's that's what we're saying today yeah absolutely yeah. i just watched you there uh pouring it so two hands yeah. pour and just a slight twist just a slight twist that's it as you raise it up as you raise it you up won't lose and any it, at all. no no, it just rounds it off uh, for you. Just back before we finish the three wines today, I presume the two reds at room temperature and the, the white slightly I, I would, uh, that one in particular, Jerry, I would leave that for half an hour. Only? In, uh, only, yeah, no more than that, you know. And um, that will still give you a nice chill on it, but you still get the, the flavours and, and, and the uh, bouquet of it. And when you chill it for the half, take it out, start pouring it, leave it out then at that stage. Leave it Don't out return at that it. stage. No, no, no need to. No, it's too far to go back to the fridge. <laughs> <story. laughs> 
<laughs> I simply love it. Anyway, uh, today all wines from Dunn's stores and just reminding you again of uh, Rick's three. Uh, the white is Marcus de Riscal Verdeo Grape 2022, 12 euro from Dunn's. Uh, the first red, Silver Moki Pinot Noir 2022, 7.84 from Dunn's stores. And uh, from Chile, Diablo Castellero del Diablo, yes, Cabernet Sauvignon 2022 again, 11.20 and you are sorted. Rick Cronje, thank you so much for dropping in again today. We love when you visit and we'll see you again, please God, later in the month. You will do, Jerry. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Rick. Take care. Now let's reprise our TV theme. Ah, uh, yes, it rang a bell with so many of you. Thanks to everybody who got in touch. There were loads today. Anyway, I'm sending out a wee gift on late lunch to Kieran Buckley. Well done to you. Yes, it is the Guinness ad and, of course, the famous Dancing Man. Now, Louise, we are just thrilled as well, aren't we, with all the pictures that came to us from your vintage clothing. Hard to pick somebody. I have to give it away. Yes, somebody else looking for the name of the booth. There were a few, actually. It's called Garment Goddess by Laura DeBarra. That's Garment Goddess by Laura DeBarra spoke to a top of the show it's brilliant anyway we've picked somebody haven't we Louise yes because it was amazing really the photos they sent in Siobhan Rooney from RD well done Siobhan she says a leather jacket yeah this is a real leather jacket uh, 30 year 30, sorry 32 years old at Christmas and still as good as new mm. uh, she got it from Santi in Christmas 1992 and never parted mm. with it and she, she still wears still it wears it yeah that's brilliant it. Siobhan I'm sending you out my beloved garment goddess by I'll Laura I have to prize it from his hands ah not now I'm giving it to I'm giving it I'm <laughs> Yeah, I've given it away with, with, with joy and with love as well. Anyway, thanks to everybody who sent us in uh, the uh, pics there by WhatsApp on your garments. You're all fantastic. You really, really are. Now, time to conclude this for this week on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, it's Barry White all week with me on Late Lunch. And I was telling you yesterday his health was deteriorating. Well, in the noughties... Uh, uh, Barry was in poor health yes as the year 2000 arrived and just beyond so much so that during his final performances he couldn't even stand at the gigs in September 2002 he was hospitalised with kidney failure and while awaiting a transplant in May 20, uh, 2003 in May 2003 he suffered a severe stroke which postponed any procedure sadly at the relatively young age of 58 Barry White suffered a cardiac arrest on the 4th of July, Independence Day uh, in 2003 and sadly he died. He was posthumously inducted into the Dancehall Music Hall of Fame and in 2004, some years later, that was in 2004, and then some years later, his star was unveiled on the Hollywood Boulevard Walk of Fame and only rightly so. Today, yes, there's only one way to conclude the music... Of the walrus of love. Yes, no introduction needed. First, last, everything. We got it together, didn't we? Nobody but you and me. We've got it together, baby.
Barry White, my artist of the week. First, last and everything, concluding my story of Barry in words and song for this week. And we will bring you a new artist of the week next week, round about this time. Yes, we talk sport around about this time every week on Late Lunch. And we're starting today with water polo in a field near you, David Sheehan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, Jerry, you know what? I, I, I do love my I do love my uh, my League of Ireland matches on a Friday night, but I can't say I was too disappointed to see that this one was called off. Um, the trek down the M50 down that weather later on mm. wasn't really appealing to me. So yeah, as as people probably would have seen, both the Shamrock Rovers and Drogheda matches and the Bohemians uh, Dundalk game off this evening um, so yeah I expect there's a few other games off as well around the league so okay. um, not a night, not an ideal night for, for no. football but it uh, saves me a trip I suppose yeah it will know. indeed but just reminding listeners again on Monday night Dundalk face Sligo in Oriel Park and Drogheda are home to Bohemian so hopefully uh, things will improve for those two matches on Monday evening it's a double set of fixtures this weekend in the league well let's stay with soccer and uh, across water let's talk about the three title contenders um, not only Forest against Liverpool tomorrow and um, there's only one winner there the children from Liverpool well this is the thing I mean they've got so many injuries at the moment but the you know the kids as, as uh, what was it uh, kindergarten Klopp was the headline that was being trotted around during the week um, so yeah I mean they've done so well since they came in and I mean the, the, the win against Chelsea last week I think I thought the bottle job stuff on Chelsea was a little bit unfortunate I mean they had some really good chances to win that game but Liverpool came out on top in the end and yeah wait to Forest um, who have been looking pretty poor they were poor enough against Manchester United during the week in the cup and not sure they've really gotten much of a bounce out of Nuno Espirito Santo since he's come in. Now they may well stay up by default because there's a, a few poor teams down and around them. But uh, yeah, you'd imagine Liverpool, the, the form they're in, and the, the kind of good, the good kind of feeling that's around the club with all those young players coming in, uh, that they would, they would have enough to get th- to get through that game. Yeah, um, yeah. And Forrest, of course, uh, at a hearing. I think is it this uh, today or next mm. weekend uh, about the point situation as well. Watch that space now. The Manchester derby, always to be looked forward to. Manchester City at home to Manchester United. Normally a, a difficult game to call, a tight contest. It has to be City all the way, the way the form is at the moment. It has to be City all the way. And this could be, I don't know how many nails are in Eric Ten Hag's coffin already, but this could be another one because I could see Manchester City, if they really wanted to, Jerry, I could see Manchester City absolutely tearing Manchester United apart here. United have so many injuries uh, defensively. Uh, Wan-Bissaka is out, Shaw is out. Um, there's a couple of other, uh, Martinez is out. They're missing a few uh, defenders at the moment they're really down to the bare bones and if Man City we saw what they did during the week with Haaland scoring five goals so his whatever sort of a drought he was going through which wasn't really much of a drought for him that's over and uh, I I would fear for, for Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag in so much as I can as a non-Man United fan but I think they could be in a lot of trouble here if City hit their straps on, on the weekend and uh, yeah this could be the beginning of the end for, for Ten Hag if this one goes badly for him and it could easily go badly and our Gooners uh, have to wait till Monday night to play. They go to Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United should engage a bricklayer this weekend and start to shore up uh, one of those goals quickly because if Arsenal play the way they've played recently in the league, this could be a thumping too. Well, I don't know who's uh, what imposter is sitting in your chair there, Jerry, because I don't think I've ever heard Jerry Kelly uh, bigging up Arsenal ahead of a game. But, um, but yeah, look at Sheffield United... It, 
actually the one thing again around this we talked about this a few weeks ago again it's another fixture where the, the way supporters are going to really struggle to get back to London at any kind of a reasonable time with the way the trains and everything are running and a lot of conversations around whether these games need to be on at 8 o'clock on a Monday when there's such a travelling distance involved for fans but yeah look the way Arsenal have been going at the moment uh, of, aside from that Porto game they've been unstoppable in the league and they were really impressive on uh, on the weekend last weekend against Newcastle on Saturday night so you know, you'd have to expect them to, to win that game as well. Um, they're not averse to an, an odd blip, as we well know. Yep. But I'd expect, I'd expect Arsenal to win that one, yeah. So top three to win and as you were. Now let's move on to Gaelic Games and the National League for men continues this weekend, as it does for the ladies. First, the lads. Uh, Meath uh, play Cavan and Cavan just saw themselves by a point past Loud last weekend and Loud oh my God, they won't look forward to this, are going to the Lions den in Donegal. Cavan uh, Mead first. Well, I mean, again, talking about the League of Ireland matches, this is one that's that's going to be in, in in real danger of being called off. If anybody saw the footage earlier on from the Anglo-South, the pitch in Cavan is covered in snow. This is a pitch that's in a bit of a bowl anyway. People will remember back in 2018 when Mead and Cavan were also due to play on a Saturday night. It was called off about an hour and a half before the start of the game. And if there's anyone listening from the GEA or from Cavan County Board or wherever that makes these decisions, could they please make the decision a little bit earlier in the day? Because the last time this was called off so late, a lot of people were already nearly at the ground. So I can't see this game going ahead, to be perfectly honest with you, Jerry. I'm, I'm probably calling it a little bit early, but the pitch there in Cavan, it's not, it's not the greatest in terms of dealing with the weather anyway. It's, in, it's covered in snow today. I'd be mildly surprised if that game goes ahead. If it does go ahead, just a point between them in the table. Um, Mead's looking to make it three wins in a row after that win last week uh, in Navin again. So two wins in a row against local rivals and another one um, on the cards in terms of another local rival, I should say, on the cards, not necessarily a win. I think it'll be a tough one for Mead. Um, they don't have a great record against Ulster teams, uh, certainly away from home in the league. So I think Cavan might just scrape that one. Um, but I, as I say, Jerry, I'd have serious concerns with whether that game okay. will actually take place. Certainly tomorrow, it might get pushed out to Sunday, but yes. I think it's it's in a lot of jeopardy. And Donegal now, the only one winner there, Jim McGuinness. Yeah, Donegal are going so well at the moment. We know they were held last week, or they held Armagh, whatever way you want to look at it. But they're, they're, it's looking pretty much nailed on, unless something extraordinary happens, that it'll be a Donegal-Armagh final. And Loud, in fairness to them, they've been so unlucky. They've lost a couple of games by the bare minimum. Uh, lost a couple of games by, by, what, two points or so. So they've, they've been really unfortunate. Um, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one for them, though. It's a, it's a tough-looking tough, tough looking trip against Donegal, who are really flying at the moment. Yeah, it'll go down to the wire, I'd say, for Loud as regards uh, their future in, the, in Division 2. Now, uh, the girls are in action as well on Sunday. Both games at 2 o'clock. In Division 1, Meath uh, make the trip west to Galway. Yeah, and we talked about Louds being unlucky in terms of the margin of defeat that they've suffered. Well, Galway are rock bottom of Division 1 in the ladies. And to, t- to look at it, you'd think they're having a terrible time. But when you look through the results, Dublin beat them by a point. Mayo beat them by a point. Armagh beat them by two points. Cork beat them by two points. So they haven't really been playing that badly. And when you look at that Armagh game, losing by two to Armagh, Armagh gave me an awful trim in the last day out in Ashburn. I was at it and me just didn't fire at all in that game. So they're still in good shape. They've played four and they've won three Meads. So... They're still well in contention for those one of those top two spots in the place in the final, but they'll really need to improve their performance from, from the last day because they just didn't get going. They had the win behind them in the first half against Armagh and they went in two points behind and that's really where the game was lost from their point of view. Armagh got a couple of goals in the second half and it was it was really all over after that. But I think Meade will be determined to kind of bounce back from that performance the last day and um, and hopefully get, a, get another win on the board uh, because they're in a really good position to qualify for that final. Loud, of course, uh, at home on Sunday in Division 4 to Clare. 
yeah, Clare, who've like won three of their four games loud, as we know, have only won one. Um, so yeah, look at Clare. Clare look like the the favourites for that one. Um, we you know Loud just for example drew at Wexford and and Clare beat Wexford one seven to a point. So on that evidence, you'd fancy Clare to, to to come away with the points from that one. So there you have it. Uh, a busy weekend in GA ahead. Watch the uh, fixtures, especially the Cavan Mead game, as uh, David said. They're due to be uh, played tomorrow night at seven o'clock in Cavan. Uh, stay with us here on LMFM Radio. We'll have news on that as soon as there is any, but uh, it certainly has to be a doubt over at this stage. And then Donegal out Sunday, 2 o'clock. The League of Ireland team's in action on Monday and the Premier League rolls on. David, until uh, next week, thank you so much for joining us again on the show. Thanks, Jerry. It's David Sheehan there, uh, reviewing and looking ahead to the weekend in sport. That's it on Late Lunch for another week. Say my thank yous as usual to you, our listeners, who uh, join us every day. We love your company. We really do. And thanks for that. To our guests who've been with us through the week. Thanks a million to all of them, too, and our regulars uh, especially. And to my producer, Louise Walsh. I couldn't do it without her. Thanks a million, Louise. Uh, Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Stay tuned as well for weather updates and what's happening over the weekend. Somebody just reminded me that six years ago was it in 2018 we had uh, the beast from the east around about this time there you go we're having a little bit of a, a cousin of the beast at the minute it's nothing like that to be sure and I'm sure it will get milder over the next few days have a lovely weekend take care of yourselves and do come back and join us for a brand new week of late lunch from Monday at 1.30 When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.